What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. I am your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. It is Thursday, January 14th. I got a lot of sports talk to get into. Obviously, we have the NFL playoffs continuing this weekend, divisional rounds, great matchups all across the board. But before I get into my predictions on that and what I expect to see this weekend, we got to get into the biggest story of the day and the biggest story of the last 24 hours. James Harden traded from the Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. Four-team deal involving the Nets and Rockets, of course, but also the Cavs and the Pacers. And I'm going to give you guys my immediate thoughts when I heard of the trade. And now that some time has gone by, what I think of the trade. Ultimately, and this is a completely unbiased um, opinion and, and reaction to the trade, because though I am a Nick fan here on the Sanchez show, as I always tell you guys, I always encourage and I and I want to invoke really good and, and, and thought provoking sports conversation. So with that being said, let's get into it. Out of the four teams, and let's start with the Cavs and the Pacers, because obviously to to a lesser extent, they were part of this deal. I think the the Pacers really made out well in this deal by being able to acquire Karis LeVert uh, while getting rid of Victor Oladipo. Now, Victor Oladipo is a more accomplished player. He's slightly better. I don't think he's much better than than Karis LeVert, but it was in a very tough situation uh, for the Pacers and Victor Oladipo because he's on an expiring contract and all indications were they weren't going to bring him back next year anyway. So to be able to flip him for a younger and probably higher upside player like Karis LeVert, who I think highly of. I really think Harris LeVert has come on over the last year, year and a half. I thought his play in the bubble really showed what he's capable of doing um, as a scorer, as a ball handler. I think he's going to fit in perfect with what's going on over there in Indiana. You pair him in the backcourt with Malcolm Brogdon, with budding superstar uh, Sabonis in the frontcourt. And they, they might have another move to make. Um with Miles Turner, who I think they might flip at some point this season as well. I think it's a great trade for them. For Cleveland, I was a little, uh, I guess confused is the best word to use because they've got Draymond Green, who even though he's on an expiring deal, he got off to a really good start this year. You got Kevin Love, who hasn't been playing. You got Larry Nance Jr. And then you bring on Jared Allen, who to me, he doesn't quite fit the mix you have there. Now, they may be in talks to make another move and possibly flip Andre Drummond. Uh, which I think will happen. Again, he's an expiring contract, and I could see a contending team that needs a little help on the inside making the trade for him. Low risk, high reward. Again, last year of his deal, but he's a guy who can rebound and shot block. He may be able to fit somebody's skill set. So maybe that's their next move. But now let's get to the meat and potatoes of the deal. The Rockets and the Nets. Rockets, we know, have been in... A very tough situation since training camp when Harden made it known that he wanted out. Um, We weren't sure how serious the, I guess, the demands were. Um, But over the last few weeks, we we saw that James Harden had no interest in being in Houston. He was not going to play nice. He came in out of shape, at least from what I could tell. Uh, Doesn't matter that he's a walking bucket. We got to call it what it is. He was out of shape. Uh, He wanted nothing to do with that team. His teammates or former teammates said that already. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, Eric Gordon, they all have come out and said this trade was the best thing to happen for us because he was never fully committed to what we were doing here. And I think that's very unfortunate because we're going to remember this time and we're going to look back on this and we're going to always remember that James Harden forced his way out. Um, 
but we should remember all the good things he did for that organization as well. We, we can never forget that for the seven plus years he was there, he made them a contender. You know, two Western Conference Finals trips. Yeah, they never got over the hump, but James Harden was amazing while he was there. It's just unfortunate that what we're going to remember is him wanting to be traded, him trying to force his way out, him basically quitting on the team, and now joining up to create a super team in Brooklyn, which leads me to the Nets. On the surface, on paper alone, and, and purely from a league standpoint, this is a great trade. The excitement that this trade now has generated, everyone now is curious to see if these three stars can possibly come out of the Eastern Conference and dethrone the Lakers. Because that's that's the immediate uh, aftermath of this type of trade. When you make this type of trade, the first question everyone has is, is that going to be enough to beat the Lakers, right? On the surface, again, I think it's an amazing trade. I think the Nets did pretty well for themselves. I know they mortgaged their future. And in most cases, I would have said, I think it's a bad trade because you've given up so much of your draft capital. But in this situation, I understand why they did it. They're swinging for the fences, understanding that they only have KD under contract for three years. And technically it's two because the last year is a player option for them. So they're trying to go all in to win it now. And for many years, this trade alone would have been enough to come out of the East. But this year, the East is very competitive. We see the Sixers look like a much improved team under Doc Rivers. We know Milwaukee still has Giannis and they re-upped him. So they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East. We know Miami's looming with their team. Even though I don't think they're as good as some of the other teams, they still went to the finals last year. Very good team. Got Boston in the mix. So you, you have four other teams that are going to be in the mix for possibly representing the Eastern Conference. And if you're the Nets, you didn't want to run the risk of year two of KD and Kyrie coming up short of a championship experience. Now, I've been on record as saying I think Katie and Kyrie were not going to play together beyond this year. I think Kyrie is basically selling my point for me. Everything that he's doing, being AWOL, distant from the team. Now there's reports saying that him and KD's relationship has been strained recently, that he's upset that he wasn't a part of the hiring search that ultimately led to Steve Nash. These are the reasons why I didn't think KD and Kyrie could work. And these are the reasons that I'm skeptical that KD, Kyrie, and James Harden will work. Now, they've got to figure out all these personalities. They've got to do it on the fly. Remember, this is a condensed season. Things are happening very quickly within the NBA season that are not allowing teams to really gel and create chemistry. Also, let's not forget, first-time head coach Steve Nash. Is he capable of out-coaching some of the better coaches in the Eastern Conference to make sure his team reaches their full potential? Because don't get me wrong, on paper, the thought of KD, Harden, and Kyrie sounds better than anything else in the Eastern Conference. But when you dig a little deeper and you look at some of these other teams and you look at the wars they've already been in, and you look at the fact that these teams have better benches than the Nets, and they have more experienced coaching than the Nets, then the, the, the playing field gets a little even at that point. Because it's like, yeah, you've got KD, and Harden, and Kyrie, but we've got our own stars along with more depth, along with better coaching. And that's where this thing gets tricky for the Nets. They've really gutted what I thought was a deep roster. The scariest part of the Nets team as previously constructed when we thought it was just going to be Katie and Kyrie was that they had Spencer Dinwiddie, who unfortunately now is, looks like he's done for the year. They had Karis LeVert. They had Jared Allen. They had Joe Harris. They had all these other pieces that could complement their two stars. 
So on any night, if KD didn't give you 28 or 30, you could plug that in with contributions from Karras, from Dinwiddie, from Joe Harris. Now they don't have that. Now it truly is just a big three, probably going to be some vet minimum guys to fill in that bench. And now you got to try to figure it out on the fly. And that's where I'm the most skeptical about this trade. And I know, again, I go back. I know Kyrie's actions recently make you wonder if they could have even gone to the finals anyway. But I don't think throwing Harden into that mix eases those concerns. I don't think that makes you a better team than you were the day before. Again, on paper, it looks great. If we're plugging up the the PS5 or the Xbox and throwing them on 2K, it looks amazing. But that's not how the game is played. And anyone who's watched basketball long enough will tell you the same. We've got to remember, a lot of the times, these super teams don't gel right away. That's not to say they, they can't win, but it's very tough to gel with that type of ego and that type of star power on your team on the fly. Remember, the Miami Heat had a whole offseason together. I'm talking Braun, Wade, Bosch with Eric Spolstra. They couldn't win their first year together. When KD went to Golden State, they had some bumps in the road. The difference was Golden State with Kerr and Curry and Clay and Draymond had already been to two finals. So they had a system in place. And that's what I fear is lacking in Brooklyn. And that's why I don't think this trade works, at least not this year. And when I say it doesn't work, I don't want people to think that they're not going to make the playoffs. Of course, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they were going to make the playoffs before Harden got there. I think they were at least going to go to the second round of the playoffs, even before Harden got there. Maybe this trade elevates them enough to get into the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe it elevates them enough to get to the NBA Finals. But I don't think it elevates them enough to win. And the reason I don't like the trade is when you go all in like this, you're pushing all your chips in the middle of the table and you're saying it has to be this year. And when it doesn't happen this year, it makes it a lot tougher to come back next year and do it. You have to win this year if you're the Nets. Again, your bench has been depleted. You don't have the draft capital to go get another piece. This is a very tough situation. I think that the Nets have put Steve Nash in. It was already one thing to have to deal with Kyrie's uh, just constant lack of respect for for Steve Nash. I mean, he, he was on a podcast a few months ago and openly said, I don't even think we need a head coach. Now he's AWOL and never reached out to his head coach. And then we hear that he didn't really want to, or at least he wanted input to know who the head coach was and wasn't happy that it was just Steve Nash because of his relationship with Kevin Durant. So there's so many different factors swirling around this situation that I think is going to become very tough for the Nets to reach their full potential. Playoff team, yes. Second round of the playoffs, absolutely. I would bet money right now they're going to be at least in the second round of the playoffs. But then that's where it gets tricky. Because depending on who you match up with and if the chips fall the way we expect them to, Philly's going to be there, Milwaukee's going to be there, Boston's probably going to be there. All three of those teams have deeper talent on their roster and better coaching, along with the fact that all three of those teams have been able to gel for quite some time together. And that, to me, is the one thing the Nets don't have. Just my thoughts on it. Now, what could get interesting here and I'm on record as as mentioning this suggestion or making this suggestion as well, is trade Kyrie. And I think the time to do it is right now. Trade Kyrie Irving. He has shown you he has very little interest in being a part of the team. 
He has shown you that he's going to do things on his terms, his way, when he wants to do it. And I think with the combination of KD and Harden, those two guys can gel great together. Those two guys are more than enough to get you to the finals. And what you need now is to fill out your bench. So if you could flip Kyrie for a possible draft pick and maybe a a good six man on this team, maybe you got something special there. I don't know who would want Kyrie at this point, to be honest. I, I think he has hurt his value so badly uh, because of the way he's he's conducted himself at every place he's been. He left Cleveland and made it seem like it was, you know, other people's doing. He left Boston and made it seem as if it wasn't the right fit. Now he's only been in Brooklyn for a year and a half and he's AWOL. So if I'm Brooklyn... If, if I'm the powers that be, I'm trying to figure out how can I flip Kyrie and get him out of here. And my personal thoughts and opinions are KD may feel the same way. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's ironic that news started to circulate that KD and Kyrie's relationship has been a little distant or that Kyrie wasn't consulted with the head coach, which means KD might have been the only one consulted, which means that's why Steve Nash got the job, because he had the relationship with KD. Oh, by the way, Kyrie goes AWOL for a week, a week, and now the Nets go full steams ahead of trying to get to, to try to get James Harden. Was that KD behind the scenes saying, this is my guy and this is who I want? Just my thoughts, man. Again, make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. It is Legend in Two Games completely spelled out. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. As always, I open up the platform for any great sports debate or sports topic. So if you got a question or something you want to hear discussed right here on the show, let me know. We'll talk about it. I may even invite you on a show to, to discuss it with me. Let's get into some football talk, man. It is, by most accounts, the best weekend of NFL football. I'm talking about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Normally, this is when you get the best of the best games, but it's going to be tough to follow up what we saw last week and what is now called Super Wildcard Weekend. Nonetheless, we got some great games. Saturday, we've got the Rams going to Green Bay. We've got the Ravens going to Buffalo. And then on Sunday, we got the Browns going to Kansas City, followed by the last game of the weekend, Tampa Bay going to New Orleans for the third matchup between those two teams. So let's start with Saturday and what I expect to see. Rams-Packers, this is going to be a very good game. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think both defenses show up here. I think this is going to be one of those games that both teams are going to try to eliminate any risk. The Ram defense is amazing top scoring defense in the NFC in terms of points allowed got the best cornerback in football in my opinion in Jalen Ramsey they have the best defensive lineman in football in my opinion of Aaron Donald I think they've got a complete defense I think they've got a solid offense the one question mark about the Rams right now is Jared Goff he will be playing on Saturday even though he just got screws put in his thumb two weeks ago that's going to be something to watch out for also I'm hearing the weather may not be the best in Wisconsin this weekend today and tomorrow there's supposed to be snow and rain, so there's a possibility of a very soggy and slippery field come Saturday afternoon. I'm expecting a low-scoring game with the Packers winning. I think Aaron Rodgers does just enough to win this game for the Packers. If you follow me on social media, you know I've had the Packers ranked as my top NFC team in terms of possibility of making the Super Bowl for about five weeks now. I think their path to the Super Bowl was perfect. They get to stay home. You've got to beat them in Lambeau Field. I think their defense is good enough to hold off the Rams. 
just because, again, Jared Goff isn't completely healthy and on a soggy field on what's probably going to be an ugly, sloppy football game in terms of, of field condition. I think the Packers defense is going to be good enough to slow down the Rams offense and Aaron Rodgers will make just enough plays. I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to light it up because, again, Aaron Donald is going to be applying pressure. He said he's playing this week. He said he's 100%. He'll be there to apply pressure. I think Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams will be one of the better matchups you will see all weekend. Again, Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams will be one of the best matchups you will see all weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys match up because Jalen Ramsey has put the clamps on damn near every receiver he's faced this year. Devontae Adams has probably been the most consistent receiver throughout the year. Mind you, he missed about four games this year and still was one of the most consistent receivers. It's going to be an amazing matchup. It comes down to the secondary players. Can the second and third cornerback of the Rams win their matchup against the second and third receiver for the Green Bay Packers? I don't think they will. I also think Aaron Jones, the running back of the Packers, will have a good game this week catching out the backfield. May not have a big day running, but expect them to have a big day catching. I think it's going to be a close game. I got the Packers winning, uh, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 14, 23-17, 20 to 14, somewhere in that range. I think a good defensive battle with Aaron Rodgers making just enough plays for the Packers to move on and host the NFC Championship the following weekend. In the second game of the day, we've got Baltimore traveling up to Buffalo. Baltimore is one of the hottest teams right now. But so, is, so are the Buffalo Bills. I think this is a, a great matchup. I think the Ravens finally got their monkey off their back last week by beating the Titans. I think Lamar Jackson, more importantly, got the monkey off his back. He knows what it takes to win. But what really impressed me in that victory last week was that they were down 10 nothing and they made the adjustments to win that game. That is always one of the most important traits I look for. Can you respond when you're losing? Can you make the adjustments? They made those adjustments. And I think now they're playing with a certain swagger. They're starting to believe that, okay, we are as good as advertised. By the way, their defense is completely healthy now. Clayus Campbell, Brandon Williams, Ngakwe applying pressure, Patrick Queen, Matthew Judon. They've got a lot of ways to get at Josh Allen. And that's going to be the, the real cat and mouse of this game. The rush and the linebackers of the Ravens trying to stop Josh Allen. Because last week he had a really big day against the, the Colts by extending plays. The initial reads weren't there all the time, but his ability to scramble out, delay, buy more times for his receivers to get open, and then deliver the ball down the field. Those were the backbreakers for the Colts last week. I want to see if he can do it again this week. But the biggest area of concern for me is that Bills defense. The Bills defense, I've said it several times on previous podcasts. And again, if you look back at my power rankings, or I'm sorry, my Super Bowl contender rankings, of the AFC uh, contenders, I never had them ranked one or two because their defense I never felt was good enough. Their defense is very shaky. And against a Raven team, supposed to be bad weather up there, a Raven team who can run the ball, and I think they can run the ball better than the Colts can. And we saw last week the Colts had two running backs go over 75 yards rushing against that Bills defense. The Ravens are going to exploit that running game again. And by exploiting that running game, Watch out for Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown to make big plays down the field. Last week, the Colts got anything they wanted. And mind you, that's with Phillip Rivers staying centralized in the pocket, not extending, not moving around. The initial reads were there all day. He could get any throw he wanted to make. He 
They didn't turn the ball over at all. They had over 470 yards of offense last week. I think the Ravens will be able to give the Bills even more problems than the Colts did. The difference in this week's game, though, is that the Ravens pass rush and their linebackers will be able to get Josh Allen. To me, this is going to be the upset of the week. I think the Ravens go to Buffalo, and I think they win a convincing game. I I could see this being somewhere in the range of 27-17. I I could see them winning by 10 points in this game. I've got the Ravens moving on. Switching over to Sunday, Cleveland, the feel-good story of the playoffs. They, they, they're coming off a big emotional victory last Sunday in Pittsburgh. Your prize, you get to go to Kansas City and, and face the defending champs. I don't think they have much of a shot. Their best case to win in this game is to come out early, jump on the Chiefs early, try to take a lead, and then play ball control offense with their running backs. And the only reason I think it could work is because the Chiefs realistically they're coming off a bye, so they didn't play last week. And the week before that, they sat most of their starters during week 17. So they're pretty much three weeks removed since the last time they've had in-game action. I could see the Chiefs starting off slow, similar to their game last year against Houston in the second round of the playoffs, where they were down three scores before they got it going. I don't know if they're going to be down three scores this time, but if you're the Browns, that's got to be your recipe for success. You've got to find a way to get out early, control the ball with the lead, and let both of your running backs go to work. Limit the amount of times Baker has to put the ball in the air. Limit the amount of mistakes that could be made. Keep the ball on the ground. Milk the clock. Keep Patrick Holmes on the sideline. That's your recipe for victory. Do I think it, it could happen? Possibly. But I, I'm leaning more towards the Chiefs coming out, being very sharp early on. They're completely healthy. I know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not healthy. So we're probably going to see Le'Veon Bell at running back, which is a drop-off. But the rest of their weapons are ready to go. I think they come out and they make a statement. I expect to see a big, big game from Tyreek Hill this week. Last week, the Browns struggled. They they still struggled in coverage. Even though they, they took a big lead, there were a lot of open receivers that Ben just wasn't hitting. I think this week, Patrick Mahomes hits those same receivers that are running open. If the Browns make the mistake and play as much zone coverage as they did last week against the Steelers, they could get blown out. This is a tricky game to... to like I said, for the Browns, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to get off to a slow start if you Browns. It's mandatory that you get off to a hot start and force the Chiefs to play from behind. I still like the Chiefs to win though, just because of their firepower. I think the Chiefs win this one by at least two scores. Um, I, I'm gonna say 31-17. And then the last game, probably the most intriguing game because it is the third matchup: Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, fully healthy. Uh, assortment of weapons as Mike Evans will be ready to go. Gronk, Antonio Brown, Godwin, Scotty Miller, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Oh, I don't know who I'm missing. Antonio Brown, everybody's there. They're all ready to go. Going up against a Saints team that swept them in the regular season. They won both matchups. Everyone knows that it is very tough to beat a team three times within one season. But that's exactly what I think the Saints are going to do. I think the Saints are going to beat them. I just trust Sean Payton more than I trust Bruce Arians. I trust the ability of that Saints front four to get to Tom Brady the way they did in the previous two games. Cam Jordan, Hendrickson, Davenport. I think those guys will have a very good game. I also think that Tampa Bay, who struggles a little bit in coverage against running backs, will have their hands full against Alvin Kamara. And also, the Saints are fully healthy now. Last week was Mike Thomas's first game back in quite some time. He played well. Now they've got their receiving core together. 
I think the Saints win this game. Very close game. Very exciting game. I could see it coming down to the last possession. So I think this is going to be a three-point game. 27-24, somewhere in that range. 30-27, somewhere around that range. I think both offenses will have their moments. I think both defenses will have their moments. I think the difference in this game is going to come down to coaching and mismatches. And the biggest mismatch, like I said, is Tampa's linebackers trying to cover Alvin Kamara, who is the number one target of the Saints. And I think Bruce Aaron's stubbornness may hurt Tampa Bay in this game. He he still wants Tom dropping back 30 plus times and airing it out. And I think it gets a little trickier this week. Last week, they could do it against the Redskins. Oh, sorry, the football team. They could do it against the football team because the football team just doesn't have the secondary. But the Saints do. I think the Saints match up well in the secondary, whether it's Malcolm Jenkins on Gronk, um, Lattimore on one of those receivers. I think they match up Jenkins on one of, on the other receiver. They can do some things, and I expect them to win a close game. And I think Sean Payton will make just enough adjustments to win. So you heard it here first. I'm going with, in the NFC, the Saints having to travel to Green Bay for the NFC Championship and the Ravens keeping their season alive with another road victory going to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game the following week. But let me know who you guys are going for. That's what I'm selecting for this week's games. With that being said, this is the Sanchez Show. I appreciate the support. Again, shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. And as always, we encourage any great sports debates or sports topics. So if you have one, send it into the show and I'll discuss it right here. Until then, we out. Peace.